Welcome to Worth Reading Wednesdays here at the Columbus Lounge Public Library System. This is a podcast hosted by CLPLS librarians about books we're reading and recommending and anything else that has caught our attention. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am doing so well today. And yourself? Hey, sleepy. Uh, sleepy? No sleepy, sleepy. It's Wednesday. It's Friday Eve Eve. <laughs> Tell my body that. She's going to go back to sleep. <laughs> oh, goodness. I know what you mean, but I've had to just really kind of really pull myself up by my bootstraps and get some things done. When I tell you my office is full, full of stuff. But I got some good stuff to talk about today. Books, man. Yeah. So I want to start off by talking about what I'm reading right now. Okay. And it is super special because I got it as an Amazon's first reads. And for anybody that's listening, if you have an Amazon account, you should be getting an email at the beginning of each month giving you an opportunity to download an Amazon book for free. Mm-hmm. You turned um, me on to that, actually. I didn't really? Know. Yeah, you mentioned it like a while ago probably over a year ago because i have like a ton on my kindle now where i, just, I do too i get them sent to my kindle and i don't read them but i'm just like i'm gonna get to it one day right i promise you that's me i do i have a lot of books that are just first reads that i just was like oh that sounds interesting now sometimes every month the titles aren't as interesting but i've noticed that they've started adding some children's books so you might want to look back at them and see but just really you know good stories from authors that you might not have thought about and so the book that i'm currently reading was one of those first reads it's called her name is night by yasmin ango and it was amazing as i was reading it on my Kindle. Like, it was so good. Like, it pulled me in from the very first page. And, you know, I love a good assassin tale. Uh, For those that are listening, I'm a big Killing Eve fan, and this is the last season of it, and I heard people are super upset, so I'm going to be binge-watching Killing Eve for the next three days (laughs) to find out what happened in the end. But it's an assassin tale, and it is based on Well, not based. It's not any true story or anything, but the author is from Ghana. She's a first-generation Ghanaian-American who grew up in two different worlds, and she started writing this story, and I love just the way that it's so unexpected. She did get a shout-out from David Baldacci saying, A crackerjack story with truly memorable characters. I can't wait to see what Yasmin Ango comes up with next, and I could not agree with him anymore because he is definitely on it. And I also like the way Yasmin places at the very beginning. She gives you an author's note. And I just wanted to read just briefly what she says because not every author has ever done that. And so sometimes when people pick up a book and they start reading it and they realize that it's a trigger for them, they may even feel compelled to keep reading it because it's a book that they may have bought. Mm -hmm. So I like the way she puts this in here. And she says, please note this novel depicts issues of emotional, sexual, and physical abuse, parental death, human trafficking, and both physical and sexual violence. And she says the descriptions of violence are vivid and I have worked to approach these topics with the utmost sensitivity and respect. I wanted you to be aware in case any of the content is triggering and please use the resources below if you need any support. Mm-hmm. And she does give quite a few resources for those that, you know, will need them in regards to that. But 
That's I was, cool. I, it is, but I will say, I don't, I guess maybe because I'm used to with assassin or bloody like stories. I don't, I don't feel that the violence, violence part of it is as tough as maybe some, well, one particular sexual abuse issue that happened that I was just like, please don't do it. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. <laughs> yeah. But, and it didn't happen but it was because it got so close to it that I was just like, okay, don't do it, don't do it. I, I was, yeah. I wasn't hyperventilating. It was just, yeah. but it was good to already know that these were topics that were going to be brought up in this particular novel. But it's about a young girl who was living in Ghana with her family when all of a sudden these people came in and started just killing everybody in her village. And it turns out that they wanted to get the chieftain, she's the princess of the chief of the village, wanted him to allow some uh, the traffic area, human trafficking area to go through the village so that they could get them on the boats and stuff quicker. Mm -hmm. And of course the chief was like, nope, not going to do that to our people. And why would you want to do that to our people? Yeah. Because it was actually the chief's cousin or something, mm. so to speak. Okay. So she eventually gets, her entire family is murdered mm -hmm. and she is put in with these other girls to be trafficked. They either have to find their sponsor. Girl, they had nerve to call it a sponsor. Hmm. The girls had to find a sponsor on that particular day that they were going to be presented. And if they didn't, they would be killed. And so it just so happens that she did, unfortunately, get picked. But And she even says, that, you know, I'm not sure I wouldn't have wanted death at this point. The man seemed to be pretty nice. He was French. Um, she played her skills very well. She is fluent in so many different languages, but she pretends that she doesn't understand anything but her homeland's language, which is, I think, pronounced twee. Anywho, she is placed in a dungeon, and the man feels that it is a disgrace to sleep with her because she is a black woman, but he tortures her uh, in different things. Yeah. Well, one day she got fed up. <laughs> she got some strength in her, literally, and uh, she was able to kill him and get away. Mm -hmm. She gets adopted by this woman who she happens to save who was getting attacked in an alleyway. And once she gets into this family, she starts to learn the family business and she becomes what's called a dispatcher, which means the tribal council that her adoptive family is a part of in this network, they get rid of all the people who mean uh, the entire African nation harm. Mm -hmm. So they will give her a hit name and she's able to go and do that. And her name is Nina. And I love it. And I mean, literally, this is how far I've gotten since I started reading, I want to say last week, and I'm more than halfway done. Well, maybe halfway. It's a, uh, let's see how many pages we've got. It is 413 pages and I'm on 247. Yeah. So um, just a really good book. But like Yasmin says, lots of triggers that may be hard to digest. And I think it's mostly just from in the beginning of the book. Because mm -hmm. as I keep going, as I'm getting closer to the end, details are not as gruesome. Mm -hmm. But when I tell you the way this young lady writes and the way that the world is built in a way where you can almost vividly see things mm -hmm. makes it so enjoyable to read so and you like the world building of it yes and... i love the way she developed the character because each chapter has either the word before mm -hmm. or the word after 
when Nina is in the before stage, she is the little girl named Anina, which was her given uh, Ghanaian name. And then for the chapter afterward, it's called After, which is her being the assassin Nina. And when she's the assassin Nina, that chapter is written in third person. When she's in the before section, she is everything is in first person. Oh, wow. And she also, Yasmin also does tell you this at the beginning of the book as well to let you know this is why I did this. Um, so it's fun to be able to go back and forth between uh, before she was an assassin, and then after she was uh, is an assassin. Cool. Uh, but the 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 part where I'm at right now, she's actually gonna start opening up her heart to actually who somebody she was supposed to put a hit on, but she feels like something's not right. So she's trying to get some intel on these this uh, young man and his daughter to see whether or not they are being truthful. Or are they, you know, really trying to do some stuff on the sly? Mm. And I think she's going to find that they are actually uh, good people and that the tribe, the tribal council was wrong to put a hit out on them. Mm. So, again, this was called, her name is Knight, and Knight is spelled K-N-I-G-H-T, like a knight in a royal court. Um, and this is, it's by Yasmin Ango, and I love it! Mm, well, Sorry, that took me so long. <laughs> oh, I like listening to you and what you like. Because when you like something, you really like it. And it's like, <laughs> you're the kind of reader, I feel like, where if it clicks or it doesn't, and mm-hmm. you'll still read it, but you're just kind of like, meh, you know, yeah. if it doesn't click. So. Right, but if it clicks, I am giddy like a little kid. Yeah. Well, I have some other titles that I wanted to mention, just a couple that I just got in. These are from my regular order. The first one I wanted to quickly mention is Chuck Klosterman's The 90s, and it's just taught, it's, it's so cool, it just says a book, and I am a 90s girl, I graduated from high school in 94, but when I tell you my entire music collection inside my, my, uh, my Apple Music is pretty much 90% 90s music, yeah. <laughs> for sure that's exactly what it, it, it is, but I thought this would be a cool book, and I love the front cover, did you have a phone like that? I didn't. My siblings, I think, did. Really? I was born in 94. Oh, okay. So I was middle, and I grew up in the late 90s, so that was... Well, I will say that I didn't have a phone like this, but I wanted one so badly, and I never got one. Just for those that are listening, it's a description of one of those clear phones that you can see all the inner workings in it. Like, you really want to just open it up and, like, try to see what everything does if you're really science sciencey kind of person but these were the phones back yeah, then they were. seriously one of the phones i remember watching seventh heaven yeah and mary had one and mm-hmm. i was like oh my gosh <laughs> but i never had one yeah now i did have a light up phone that my mother got for me uh i was a junior no i wasn't a junior i was a sophomore in high school and it lit up mm-hmm. it, it looked like a, a seashell and so the clear part was the the divots that were down towards the bottom mm-hmm. and it would light up when it would ring so if i had if i had the ringer turned off i'd still know that my phone was ringing that's cool and she was my mom was supposed to get it for me for christmas but for whatever reason it ended up being late coming in the mail mm-hmm. and so she surprised me with this fake kids phone you remember the the little bitty toddler phones that you could shake and make it ring oh my god that's what she surprised and there's a whole video of it i'm telling you we could have been on america's funniest home videos Your because face probably was priceless 
It was. You're it like, was. One day I'm going to bring it so I can show y'all if I can find a VHS player. Because when I tell you, it's hilarious <laughs> when I look back at it now. Because I was mad. I bet. <laughs> I was yeah. mad. But anyway, this book by Chuck, he just kind of goes through some different things. For instance, like... His titles are like the movie was about a movie. <laughs> He's got control, alt, delete because computers were definitely becoming more and more prevalent during that time. He's got one called a two dimensional fourth dimension. Yeah, don't ask me about that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think this is just a cool little book to discuss what the decade was like. And I'm not sure how... Yeah, I definitely want to read this book. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of it's something different. But I definitely bought it for the title alone because I'm a 90s kid all the way to my heart. So just to give you a quick information about Chuck, he is an author of other nonfiction books. Um, he's also written for the New York Times and The Post. He's also served as the ethicist for the New York Times Magazine. What is that? What is an ethicist? Um, I'm sure he talks about ethics. Yeah, it's like whether... So he, he was probably one of the people to determine whether a piece was ethical to publish. Oh, neat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Learn something new every day. Well, he was doing this for about uh, four or three years, and he is the founder of a website called Grantland um, with a guy named Bill Simmons. So, again, this was Chuck Klosterman's The 90s. I think it's an awesome book, and I think people will enjoy just kind of maybe reminiscing. Uh, The next book I wanted to talk about is one that is being made into a movie coming out this July, and I would love to put out a disclaimer. (laughs) For those that have taken our Where the Crawdads Sing book, can you return it? But if if you just can't find it or you just can't, in your heart, <laughs> return it because it was such a good book. When I say this was a big bestseller, yeah, it's yeah. gotten so many reviews on Amazon. Like I'm talking about in the hundreds of thousands, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I did buy three extra copies because, again, the movie is coming out in July. And it's called Where the Crawdads Sing. And it was by Delia Owens. I read that in one sitting. Did you? It was that good? Yeah. Okay, I'm um, going to add like it to It's like To Kill a Mockingbird and like some kind of survival story mixed up in one she's it's got the same kind of tone I feel like but like scout grown up not scout as a kid oh okay so it's very gritty it's very I mean you know you're gonna have trigger trigger warnings for sexual assault oh okay and emotional neglect and stuff like that but it is it was a really really good book okay so yeah um, I also have a mystery and suspense and a romance to mention. The mystery and suspense is by she's not really a newcomer to the to the genre, but it's one that I I've I've heard about her books that she's written and other ones that people have enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is called The Book of Cold Cases by Simone St. James. I love the cover art. It's got this it's got this car with the headlights on. And it looks like it's been raining and the driver's side door is open and no one else is there. And it's in front of this house. Um, And I know how much you love uh, true crime and stuff. Even though this is a fiction book, I think um, people will enjoy it just based on the title alone of Cold Cases. Ooh. Ooh. What'd you find? Um, 1977. Ooh. Claire Lake, Oregon was shaken by the Lady Killer murders. Ooh. Two men seemingly randomly were murdered with the same gun with strange notes left behind, and Beth Greer was the perfect suspect. Ooh. It looks like it's a pretty 
Ooh. Yeah, I might want to read this. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did good then, right? Yeah. I, I did not expect it to be from the female point of view based on the cover. Yeah. But it looks like it's in the 70s and then it switches back to Oregon in 2017 where another girl meets Beth Ooh. who was accused of these crimes. And, wow. Um, well, I didn't she, know that. And, well, basically, in this girl named Shay, in the last sentence of the the inside of the book jacket, it says, is she making friends with a manipulative murderer, or are there other dangers lurking in the darkness of the Greer house? Dun, dun, dun! dun. Well, <laughs> I am so glad that that made you look twice at it, because yeah. that means I did good in, in choosing something that I haven't, um, that I don't normally buy from this particular author. But like I said, I heard that she had written some really good stuff. So I was like, well, let's try it. And the title is like really cool. The the book of cold cases. I like, like okay. how the cover, so the, even the cover with the part with the car on the front, the edges of the book looks like it's an old photo. It does. And it looks like it's been torn a little bit. Yeah. And <laughs> You know, any crime book with a lady at the center, I'm for it. Really? Yeah, I just, I don't know. But it has to be, I think there's a dichotomy of like, I know, so I read a book in our collection a couple years ago, because mm-hmm. Halloween's my favorite time to get into like cozy mysteries with mm-hmm. like death by pumpkin or something like that. Right. And I read a book and it was by this male author who was writing from a female perspective and you could so <laughs> tell it was a male writing. <laughs> and it was just like... Okay, that was extra dramatic. And then, like, (laughs) parts of her character was, like, too emotional. And it just felt like this guy was trying so hard to write a girl, but he didn't, he never, like, met a woman. Right. I don't know. (laughs) But I, so that's why I really appreciate, like, women writers in the field of mystery and suspense because they know it. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, And not to say that there aren't male writers out there who get it right. There are a lot of them because they pay attention to the females in their lives and they take their time. But that one particular book just really turned me off and I was like, ugh, you know. (laughs) But that's a that's a uh, tangent I went on. Tell <laughs> me okay. what else you got. Well, uh, again, that title was The Book of Cold Cases by Simone St. James. And then I picked up another cool one by Robin Carr, A Family Affair. Um, we've had a couple of people come in asking for more Robin Carr books. So I made sure to look for some specifically for her. And I think that they're going to love this one. It looks like that Anna McNichol knows how to take charge, raised by a single mother. She's worked to ensure her three children have every advantage she didn't. And while her marriage has its problems, she values commitment and believes in till death do us part. But now an empty nester, she's at the peak of her career and ready to seize the opportunity to focus on her future. So go ahead, girl. I wanted that to be a crime book, too. Maybe she whacked him. (laughs) I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. that's what's I, coming next. I, I forgot that it was a romance. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is Robin Carr romance. She believes till death do us part, and she's <laughs> gonna make it happen. <laughs> so that was a family affair by Robin Carr. Gotcha. I like that it's an older protagonist too. I think there are a lot of romance authors getting the memo that people want to see women in their middle ages, women who are older, yes. having that second chance romance type trope. I agree. So, um, yeah. You know, a lot of the books that I've read have been about young women way younger than I am. And so when I am able to come across books that talk about women, a uh, second chance at love in their 40s and 50s, and 
I would really like to know if there is even a marketplace for women still falling in love in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Um, I know somebody will say, well, if they don't have it, you should write it. I'm, I'm not there yet. But <laughs> it'd be interesting to know. Yeah. My last adult fiction book that I wanted to mention, I actually grabbed the wrong one. I grabbed the part two book. But anyway, the cover art was just so cool. This is a, a storyline called is Gideon the Ninth Gideon the Ninth mm-hmm. oh you've heard of this yeah it's in the bookish world that I inhabit on Instagram it is it blew up when it came out and then wow. Harrow and then I think there's a third one so I saw this one first mm-hmm. and um it's called Harrow the Ninth and when I say the way this young girl or gentleman looks on the front it's got these skulls and she's got on it reminds me uh the Karate Kid, the very first Karate Kid when he well, yeah, it does. I mean, you know, he I, puts that he puts that skeleton paint face on yeah. or whatever. I mean, when I saw that I was like, "Oh, I mean, so it reminded me of my childhood." Yeah. <laughs> um and I saw it and I was like, "Oh, this looks good." And at first I thought it was YA and at the time I wasn't looking for YA books, but according to Amazon, this is not considered YA. So it's going to be in our regular sci-fi fantasy um, book. But the original book is called Gideon the Ninth. Mm -hmm. And I do have that one as well. It, It says that it's the sequel turns a galaxy inside out as one necromancer struggles to survive the wreckage of herself aboard the Emperor's haunted space station. I like that. Yeah. uh, The blurb when it came out was lesbian necromancers in space <laughs> like that's what people were saying about really it. and people love that series um okay so yeah that was harold the ninth that's the second book in the series and i do have the first book as well so this one i think you're gonna love i bought it because you know my daughter's room stays cluttered and just ugh, i'm always telling her i'm gonna need you to clean your room i'm gonna need you to clean your room <laughs> So I saw this book and I thought I'd grab it. It's by Ali Kazaza. It's called Be the Boss of Your Stuff, The Kid's Guide to Decluttering and Creating Your Own Space. And I think as you are preparing the young adult space and how you keep the uh, children's section area just really so cool, I thought I would get this and show you what they've been talking about. Yeah, I love that. I like it. A little kid can check this book out and and say, okay, this is how I want to try to help mom and dad keep the clutter down, whether it's in my room or whether it's in the living room or anywhere else. You know, they get a chance to create a space that is them, but also isn't a a wild forest (laughs) like my daughter's room is right now. Well, and it gives the reader some, like, quick quizzes to gauge, like, how they live in their own spaces Mm. and it gives some prompts in here about how much time do you spend picking up your room every week Mm. how much time do you spend looking for lost items (laughs) Um, and then it like gives a gradient zero to ten hours Um, i'm laughing because of the things you've lost how i'm constantly looking for that same that sock that's me Maybe I need to read it, too. And there's a prompt. Draw a picture of yourself as the boss of your room. So draw a picture of your room. And I like that it's not just here's how to clean. It talks about the intellectual part of it first of like, what do you want your room to have in it? Making a plan for your room and what habits create clutter and what habits prevent clutter. Oh, and it has like chore checklists and make using your imagination to make your room 
create good habits. I like this. I like the way it's laid out. Laid out and mm-hmm. the way it stresses habits. Habits form how right. we live. Sure um, and what kinds of, like it says, what kind of trash did you find in your room when you went around it? Is there already a trash can in your room? Do you need to move Ooh. the trash can to a better place? My daughter definitely needs a trash can. Do you need a bigger trash can or yeah. one with a lid? My my daughter needs a bigger trash can and one with a lid. And it oh. like talks about how to create a new habit. Um, choose the positive over a negative. So look at it like you're creating a better space instead of like downing yourself about how yeah. messy your room mm-hmm. is. You want your room to do two things for you. Help you have more positive feelings and be a help to you when you have negative feelings. Yeah. You want it to be like an oasis. I really like this. I don't even think. I I don't even think adults get this talk. You're just yelled at to close your, keep your room clean. And that's, you know, there's no underlying discussion about why we want to keep our room clean. I see. I come from the household of every Saturday morning when the gospel music came on. At 8 o'clock in the morning, it was time to clean. And don't pretend like you don't hear the gospel music playing in the living room. You know what time it is. Yeah. And if you have to make mom come and open your door and say, get up so you can do your chores for the day, that's really bad because you're never going to see the end of the afternoon. So when you hear it or if you want to beforehand, get up. And every Saturday, literally, I had to clean my room. I had to vacuum. I had to dust. I had to wash my clothes. I had to clean the living room, uh, sweep the living room. I had to clean the kitchen up. All of that. See, and my parents kind of operated the same way. Is like they'd wait. They'd do a week of living and mm-hmm. then make the weekend about cleaning. And what I do now as an adult is when I get home, if I think about it, um, Normally, I put my timer on my phone for 20 minutes, and I see what I can get cleaned in 20 minutes after work okay. before I sit down. Okay. Because when I sit down, it's over. It Game is. Over. It is. I so, know what you mean. So, do you do this through the week, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I take my shoes off, put my slippers on, mm-hmm. and I think, what can I get done? And I don't want to, but then the challenge of getting it done within the 20 minutes kind of makes the little game. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, what could I be doing in 20 minutes? I know the trash cans need to go out. Right. Uh, like that can get done in 20 minutes. Like last night we had a bunch of dishes in the sink and I was like, let me just go ahead and do this because I know I don't like going to sleep with dishes in the sink. Yeah. I'm bad about that sometimes. I am it makes too. me squiggy. So I put those in the dishwasher and I just made sure that everything was, you know, cleared out of the mm-hmm. sink. And I just, clutter for me really messes with my headspace. It does me too. Believe and it or I can't not. focus when there's so much. And Devin will know that I'm avoiding something <laughs> if I'm cleaning. <laughs> He's like, what are you avoiding doing? Because you're cleaning the house up. Like, last Saturday, I cleaned so much because I was avoiding some work that I needed Mm -hmm. to get done. And he was like, you got to work, don't you? (laughs) I was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, you don't ever clean the microwave. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Our microwave is spotless now. (laughs) Hey, there you go. Well, I will tell you this. Um, I probably do my very best cleaning when I have been angered. Oh, when I am upset and angry with somebody in the house, not oh. something that happened outside of the house. If I mostly if it's Mark, if I'm mm-hmm. mad at him, girl, he knows. I said sometimes I think you cause an argument because you want me to get to cleaning because I've put it off for so long for whatever reason. But girl, I am a cleaning fool when I'm mad. <laughs> and when I say it's spotless, 
spotless. Oh, but man. I know I shouldn't really be that way. But I like your little 20-minute game. And I think maybe that's what I'm going to try and start doing for myself as well. Because on the weekends, I just want to just yeah. chill. Um, I don't want to do anything. And I wake up every Saturday morning when I don't have to come into work and go... I, I know I need to do this. Yeah. I know I need to wash these clothes. I know I need to do this. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. And so I lay there in the bed and come up with every excuse in my head. And then I go, yep, that's why. Because you just need to chill. Well, and you don't have to even start it at 20 minutes. Do it at 10. Build okay. up to that. And then, like, so I don't do my laundry during the weekdays because mm-hmm. I am the number one person who will leave it in the washer. And I will forget, forget about it and mm-hmm. it'll get stinky. So I make sure I do do that on the weekends. But usually... I am reading, relaxing, yeah. and then I'm just doing the laundry and listening to a podcast. Or, like, I make it as part of my, weirdly enough, this sounds very weird to probably most people, but I make the laundry part of my relax, oh, okay. my relax routine of, like, I look at it like, oh, I'll get some new outfits to wear. I'll have, like, that rope. Like, my okay. favorite pants are clean. Yeah. It's a lot about how you frame it in your head. I think that's a really good way to so. look at it. And I don't think I've looked at it in that way in a long time. Maybe I am just rebelling from being a child of having to clean mm-hmm. every Saturday. I mean, because literally that was the Saturday, every Saturday of my life, you know, that's all I know was cleaning on Saturdays. So maybe that's a part of it, but I know I need to do better because, gosh, I would never want anybody to pop up, non-family, pop up at my house on a Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to hold on (laughs) and you should have called before you came over (laughs) because it is a mess. And I I would be embarrassed for sure if my mother came over and and the way she saw my living room, even though we do try to make sure we keep the living room picked up as much as possible because we're like, hey, (laughs) y'all don't need to be going in those bedrooms. That's not you. You get the bathroom, the kitchen, and the living room. That's it. (laughs) So, you know, but... I digress, but I thought that would be a cute book that our parents would appreciate in helping their kids learn about how to be a little bit more cluttering free or clutter free rather. And I think it's going to be great. Be the Boss of Your Stuff by Ali Kazaza. Yeah. And just in time for Mother's Day, there's this book that I got called Mama. Gorgeous. Isn't it beautiful? It's called Mama, A World of Mothers and Motherhood. I haven't had a chance to peek inside it, so we can peek together if you want. Um, but I love the green. I don't know if I'm just feeling springish or whoa. The very first page is so adorable. It's got this mama cradling her baby, and he's got his his feet, like, curled up next to him, and he's got his arms by his head. Oh, my gosh. So cute. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm going to have to take a picture of this yeah. and put it on the show notes because this is Isn't that beautiful? adorable. Hold gosh, on. I just want to read the first couple of uh, – uh, it's – Looks like it may even be written in poem form. Show me the front again. Sorry, I'm I'm interrupting you because I'm so right. It's such a beautiful book. It's it's green. This green is what's getting to me. And then you've got the green in both the mom and the daughter's eyes. That is just so pretty. All right. But the very first uh, page says, "There will be your first step, your first words, your first story. There will be your first swim, your first song, your first party." There will be your first friend, your first drop of honey, your first daisy. There will be your first giggle, your first mama, your first I love you. So are you waking up, sleepyhead? 
A wonderful world is waiting for you. Oh, it's so adorable. But just in time for Mother's Day, I thought that this would be a cute book to make sure that we had in our possession to be reminded about, you know, the special times that you have with your with your kids when they're babies. I am definitely going through almost empty nester syndrome. My daughter is 14. She'll be 15 this fall. And she is separating a lot now and I am in my feelings because I miss when she was little and all she wanted to do was cuddle next to mommy and be all up underneath me now she's just like go somewhere okay this is amazing Nicole it's got women from all different cultures it sure does you have a woman who is unhoused you mm -hmm. have a woman breastfeeding that's rare to see in right. literature oh just my beautiful. goodness oh and a baby trying to see what in what's in her mama's belly so you have sweet. a baby who looks like they're adopted yeah oh my goodness this is and the and then oh. find the artwork find it can you find it it's watercolor it's watercolor pencil. okay nice i like that such beautiful colors that pop off the page oh there's one a with a military mom, mom. oh, oh. A tattooed mom. Yes. <gasps> the feetsies. The feetsies. You like the feetsies. Oh, a mom who's like an engineer. Yes. I love this. Or, I'm sorry, a mechanic. So cool. The pictures are just popping off the page, y'all. mom who lost their baby. Oh, a mom who lost their baby. I mean, really showing the, the range of motherhood, you know? Yeah, the baby's on top of this mom's stuff that she's carrying on her head. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just love it. And I just, I thought, you know, I was, I would take a chance on it. Um, at the time, it didn't have any reviews for it. But again, when I saw the front cover and the green and the way the mother was holding her child, I was like, how could I not get this? And Mother's Day's coming up. So, you know, I was like, is we need to get this. So I did good. Yes, a breathtaking book. It is beautiful. Oh my gosh. I so pretty. So again, it's called Mama, A World of Mothers and Motherhood. And it's written by Helene Delforge, and it's illustrated by Quentin Graban. And last but certainly not least, because I have really taken up the almost the entire podcast at 38 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. I'm gonna let you say something. I promise, Tori. Okay. But um, this one is <laughs> this one is a Mississippi author, actually living in Columbus. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Pearly. I dream. Peace in the House, and it's by written by our own Yvonne Bardwell Cox, and I wanted to make sure and shout her out. This is her first book. It looks as though this will be a series, so mm -hmm. hopefully some more will come, and I just wanted to make sure and mention this book so that the rest of our community can come in and check this book out, support Miss Cox in creating these books. So again, that's Pearly I Dream. This title is Peace in the Home, and it's by, written by Yvonne Bardwell Cox. Mm -hmm. So kudos to Mississippi authors. We love y'all. Yeah. Can you give me those two? I'm going to sure. take a picture. We'll have a picture of these books in the show notes on our website at loungelibrary.org forward slash listen. And so you can see this gorgeous picture book and the picture book by our local author and some of the other books that are going to come to our shelves shortly but i have some books yay uh just two you brought a lot so i just brought two because okay. you know i'm i am trying to read some more nonfiction. really good yeah i have tried to do that 
<laughs> this nonfiction has a lot of trigger warnings attached to it. It mm-hmm. has racism, assault, violence, mm-hmm. all of the tr- fire, all of the trigger warnings, displacement of homes, mm-hmm. um, murder, more racism, 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 racism. Yeah. So I found this on um, Book Riot's website because they were talking about how not a lot of people talk about the Tulsa race massacre. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's discussed a lot. I've heard of Black Wall Street in the past, but nobody's really explained to me anything other than it was a really big center of commerce for the black community in Oklahoma back in the day, but that was it. Yeah. I never learned about this in high school. Me neither. N- learned nothing about it. I didn't, and, and from what I heard about Black Wall Street, it was always something positive. I had never oh, yeah. heard of the massacre that happened. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that part never came up. It was like, yeah, you know, we had a Wall Street. Really? We did? Oh, okay. That's all I heard. So when this started actually starting to come out in the news, was it last year or year before last, last year? I really, like, ears perked up, and I think I bought three mm-hmm. copies of that. Yeah. So this book is called The Nation Must Awake, My Witness to the Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921 by Mary E. Jones Parrish. And so the reason why there's not a lot of talk about it, because there's not a lot of historical documentation about it, because it was swept under the rug. Yeah. And the whole spark of the Tulsa Race Massacre happened because a young black man accidentally stepped on the foot of a white woman in an elevator. And the absolute racism and violence and just I am so disgusted by it I can't even find the words for like the depravity of humanity in this moment but I'm just gonna read the back of this and talk about so this is actually a first like if you're in school if you're in the classroom this is actually a primary source of this historical event Mm -hmm. it was written by Mary Paris she was a witness to it and did interview people who came out of the event unscathed for the most part. I mean, they lost their homes. They were forced to leave. You know, it was a lot like, do you know if my mom's alive? Have you seen my grandmother? A lot of stuff was going on. So the back of the book just basically says, on May 31st, 1921, Mary Parrish was reading at home with her daughter in Tulsa's affluent Greenwood district known nationally as Black Wall Street. Mother, I see men with guns, her daughter proclaimed from the window. Mm. Joined by thousands of others, the two were forced to flee into a night of mob violence and raging fires. In subsequent days, Parrish took it upon herself to document the epic destruction of life and property. The Nation Must Awake, now widely available for the first time, is Parrish's first-person account, along with the reports from others in her community, of what has become known as the Tulsa Race Massacre. While she shows the magnitude of loss at the hands of white vigilantes, her account of an incident more than 100 years old remains relevant as America continues its struggle for equality and social justice. So the thing that's very unique about this book is that it was kind of lost and her granddaughter found it and got yeah, it published. I read that. And it does have documentation. It's part, like in the back of the book, it has partial mm. list of losses that were sustained by victims. And it shows you the wow. millions of dollars of property that was lost. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because they had theaters, they had grocery stores, they had banks. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. And it's literally a scan in of a historical document. Like the text is right. like 
printer type text. It's not like typewriter looking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It is like somebody scanned it in and just was like, "Here's what we have left of this documentation." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it does have an afterward by her granddaughter, and it's literally, you know, what she wrote about. You know, she was dispatched to write about this right. um, happening, and it got lost so can you imagine as her granddaughter just kind of going through you know things of your grandmothers and coming across this it makes me think about it too because my father my real father my biological father when he passed I actually of course got all of his belongings and he started writing a book about his life Mm -hmm. in there and I haven't had a chance to really just sit down and go through it and spend some years but I really should go back and look and see what he was writing and maybe I could turn it into a book later on yeah because for him it was racial injustice with him being a police officer in Chicago Um, and he was accused of killing one of his co-workers when it was not true at all and there were people who spoke on his behalf but unfortunately they beat him all night in the prison in the jail rather trying to get him to confess and he would never confess because he was like I did not do this I promise you I did not do this and there were way so many witnesses that said that he didn't and then once he got out of jail they terrorized him by um, stalking him outside of his mother's home and in order to protect his mother he had to move out because he didn't want you know that to that's awful. Yeah, so I had a chance. I mean, I've, I've obviously read bits and pieces about it, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the gist of it. So I can only imagine her daughter, uh, granddaughter, coming just you know going through grandma's stuff and coming across this and starts reading and going, "Wait, what?" <laughs> you yeah, know? and she talks about. I think she makes a forward too um, about the discovery of this, and mm-hmm. she did know that her grandmother was involved. I think. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things we don't talk about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, there was a documentary about it. And they said that some people who were trying to ask their parents, uh, grandparents and great-grandparents about it were like, we don't talk about that. I don't, I don't, I don't even want to talk about that. Yeah. Is what I heard that some of the people were saying. Yeah. So trying to compile this information had to be a little bit difficult for her if she really wanted to get the full gist of everything. But thankfully, her grandmother, you know, had the mindset at the time to start documenting things. Well, she was working for a newspaper, so she she was she That's was assigned right. to um, document and interview people. And yeah. I think it's like a look at. I think it got lost one because of racism and the white community didn't want it ever coming out that this happened. But mm-hmm. also that puts the onus and the mental work on the black community to continue passing that trauma down. And I think that's could have been a reason why they didn't want to talk about it because it's not yeah, it's your not. responsibility to rehash your traumas like that. Exactly. And so yeah, that's just, it was a heartbreaking book, but it, oh, there's just some great sections in there that really talked about how though it happened over 100 years ago some of the stuff it I felt like I was reading something that happened yesterday yeah so that was the nation must awake my witness to the Tulsa race massacre of 1921 by Mary E. Jones Parrish and I will say it's a very obviously it's a very serious topic but the way it's written the text is approachable well on that note (laughs) i have one other book that i wanted to share i read this last year and it took me a minute to get through because it's a chonky one it is it's in our juvenile 
fiction section in our new books, and it's called Hookie by Miriam Bonestray-Tur, and it is a Webtoon original. Is it? Yeah. I'm so glad Webtoon is really putting out some stuff. And I love the illustration style of this author, or this author illustrator, mm-hmm. and Hookie follows two twins, one prophecy, and a whole lot of hijinks. <laughs> so, it follows Danny and Dorian. They are from this magical family, but they're kind of estranged from their parents. They skipped the bus to magic school because their parents wanted them to go. They're a magical family. You got to go to magic school. And they're like, "Mm, our parents are kind of evil. Oh. And they're aware that their parents are kind of evil. So they're like, nah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And so they end up kind of uh, being taken in by this other wizard who's good. And he has some kids that he's already kind of looking after there's a lost princess on the way to discover what happened to her prince and so eventually what happens is there's this you find out there's this prophecy about one of the children in their family who will be evil and cause destruction of the, you know all the stuff this is giving me descendants vibes why (laughs) maybe yeah and um they're so they they think it's going to be their older brother, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe oh. it's going to be one of them who is evil and causes all the destruction, Uh-oh. and they don't know who to trust. Do they trust themselves and their powers? Mm. Do they, because they're trying to figure out their powers throughout this story, and some of their powers really scare them. Oh. Some of their powers they don't even know about. And, wow. Um, <laughs> so, for example, the uh, female twin, Danny accidentally shrinks one of their friends and can't get them unshrunk. <laughs> so Honey, I shrunk the kids. <laughs> and so, like, he spends half of the book just this little dude who can't fight anything. He can't help. Aww. And they have to, like, carry him around. Aww. And it's, it's like, hijinks. For right. sure, hijinks. And so... Please tell me they eventually find out how to get him back to his original size. Um, they do. Oh, okay. And he can't. He can go back to his original size during the full moon. I think something oh, like really? that. Oh, really? Okay. And he pops back into his original. Um, as a friend, are you do you, are you angry with your friends for making you tiny or? <laughs> well, she didn't mean to do it. Well, I know she didn't mean to do it, but I'm saying like, how well, do you... so this this friend that she accidentally shrunk may have something wants for her. Oh, but like he doesn't. The only way you know is because he's blushing a lot. Oh. And he doesn't say anything, and so there's a little bit of like some little preteen relationship developments happening. Yeah. But it's like Danny and Dorian are like. 11 12 okay and this princess is coming along with them she's like 11 12 and she's trying to find her betrothed who went off and was kidnapped by these evil magicians and um it's building up to this meeting that their parents have in the magic community and all of the magical people have to attend the meeting oh and if they don't they're considered enemies of oh yeah and so Danny and Dorian make the decision to go to this meeting and they find out that um, their parents are the big evil and <gasps> that they're going to fight. They th- they decide they're not going to fight or they're going to fight against that. Okay. And so it is like, I mean, it's 384 pages and it's a full graphic novel. So none of it's in text. I mean, it is, but it's. It it's is. not glossy, you know, it's my favorite matte uh, finish. Yeah, it's got, I want to say, like, over, definitely more than 15, maybe, like, 20 plus, yeah, 30 chapters. Oh, okay. So, when I tell you it took me a minute to get through this, just because I read slow, le- slowly, 
slower, slower with, <laughs> I read slower with graphic novels I do and too. take it in. And so, um, I just really took my time with this and it took me about a week to get through. And so, but I just love the, you know, look at them playing on the beach together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's little, so he got shrunk. <laughs> so he's next to, and he's like, looks like they're having fun. You know? Can't, yeah. Aww. And so, um. It's cute, though. Yeah, and it's about navigating, like, your moral compass, even though you know mm. your family is not doing the right thing. Yeah. And, um, Definitely a Descendants thing, and I think the reason why is because last week I w- went to the play that the middle school was having that my daughter was uh, the usher for, okay. and it was really good. It was fun. Um, the kids did an amazing job, and if you've ever seen the movie Descendants, it's mm-hmm. Maleficent's daughter who actually does something good instead oh. of doing what she evig- was originally going to do, which was going to be you know evil, but she oh. steps out of that. I wonder. I wonder if there's a book. There maybe there may be one. Well, like I know there's descendant books, but like I uh, want a book about how Maleficent fell in love with somebody and had a kid, and what made her go bad. Like yeah. that's a good. Maybe there is one, and I there just may, don't know it. But who knows? But yeah. So that was Hooky, um, by Miriam Bonestrater, and it's a great like coming of age graphic novel about two siblings. There's sibling dynamics. There's like. You're on the brink of puberty, and you have all these wonky feelings for this yeah. boy you thought had cooties. And, you know. Um, well, you know, boys still have cooties. Yeah. Sometimes. Even those that we end up marrying, they still got cooties. Right. You, like, you come home, you smell like outside. Go wash the cooties off. Right. <laughs> all right. So that is everything that we brought today. Some good stuff. I'm yeah. so glad that I was able to make you giddy with some of the ones that I did uh take a chance on and we can't wait for you all to get these um when you can um obviously i'll be speed cataloging again for the rest of the week (laughs) trying to get some of these out on the shelf but we hope that you get a chance to come and check these out and enjoy them because these are some good titles yeah absolutely and so we'll talk at you next week see ya bye